New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. the big thing on total soccer show our weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the beautiful game today we're asking what on earth is going on in the french women's national team just ahead of this summer's world cup three of france's leading players have withdrawn from the national team citing working conditions within their federation which failed to meet the necessary requirements and on tuesday this week the fff the french football federation president noel legret announced his resignation at a meeting of the executive committee after 11 years in office. That's after the findings of an audit commissioned by the French sports minister over claims of sexual harassment and bullying at the FFF were released just two weeks ago. Suffice to say, it's a bit mailed at the FFF and the French women's national team at the moment. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, we have Mr. Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. We have Graham Rutherford. Bonjour. Hello. And we have Joe Lowry. Salut, Joe. Bonjour. I can do that one. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) You said that with the conviction of Brad Pitt in Inglourious Bastards saying, Bonjourno. Thank you. Gorlami. All I heard was Brad Pitt, so I'm good. There you go. We are good indeed. Um, Graham, let's start with an an outline look at what's happened in the last couple of weeks with the French Women's National Team. We've had a few of the major stars who have decided, as we record, to leave the setup. Yeah, so I, I guess the, the latest episodes of this saga, which has been going on for a while now, um, the latest episode started last week when Wendy Renard, who was the French national team captain and one of the best uh, players in the world, made a statement that she would be stepping aside from the national team and she was followed in making this stance by, as you mentioned, Ryan, uh, Mary Antoinette Cototo and Diane, who are, are two more of the of the best players on the team. Um, and in Renard's statement, she said she could no longer support the current system, which is far from the requirements of the highest level. And she went on to say she was stepping aside for the benefit of her mental health as well. And Diane's statement said similar Katoto's statement had a very interesting line in it about not being picked for the 2019 World Cup being part of her decision. Um, And that is, to pull on that, is to pull on another strand of the complaints against the way that this team is being run. So there are issues at a systemic level, executive level, which we'll go into uh, in more depth. But there's also complaints against Karine Diakra, who is the, the national team manager um katoto was left out of the 2019 squads despite her being the top scorer in the french league that season and diacra um as we'll detail a little bit more she has a long track record of omitting her best players or players who certainly should be in the team on the basis of their quality 
due to friction within the dressing room and Diacra's nickname is the dragon <laughs> so that tells you a little bit about her character and she's been a disruptive influence and a lot of people including a lot of big name players who have either written books or done interviews after they've stepped aside from the national team and um, they think that she has cost France at major tournaments France is a bit of a superpower in the women's game and that hasn't really been reflected in the success of the in, of the national team in recent years and so the fed fingers have been pointed at the federation and Noel de Gret, who has as you say Ryan has stepped aside but also at the national team manager Karine Diacre. Yeah so Taylor there's a lot going on here and this French national setup is not without um controversy in its rearview mirror as well I suppose you could say the same thing for the men's setup as well in some respects maybe going a little bit further back but it feels Taylor like we have a situation where players are stepping down but we don't have all the pieces of the puzzle to work out exactly what's going on here I think I agreed I think the athletic has done some good work in trying to sort of source some quotes and some specific uh concerns combined with reading between the lines and it feels like Chief amongst the concerns is Diakra, the way she is running the team, and even just the way the team operates, not just in terms of who's selected, and but more so how they play, how they train, a lack of video analysis, a lack of dedication to certain fundamentals, they don't practice set pieces. I think there are legitimate frustrations with the way she sets up the team and coaches the team, basically. And my sort of understanding, based on what I have read and, and researched for this episode, is essentially that... Uh, there has been much frustration with the Acra. I'm sure we'll get into all the different players who have had uh, run-ins and been dropped by her. But she was handpicked by Legret, uh, the now resigned FFF president. Uh, and he, I believe, renewed her contract after the last World Cup when they were, or after the Euros, I believe, when they were knocked out. Uh, he extended her for like 400,000 euros a year, I think, without discussing with anybody. And so I think there was a feeling that there's no way to get rid of her without sort of getting the president on board. He is the one who can hire and fire coaches. Um, and, and so I think that is where Renard's statement is more about the overall structure, the hierarchy of the French Football Federation, that the coach is sort of there and safe because the president likes her and wants to keep her around. A president who has resigned, saying he did nothing wrong and taking a job with FIFA in Paris instead, uh, but at the same time did some very allegedly, I guess, did some very nefarious and downright uh, evil things, in my opinion. So uh, to see yeah. him go, I, I am not particularly sad, but I think it does speak to a wide array of issues with French football. It does. And Joe, this isn't the ideal setup for the French with a summer tournament ahead of them by any means, is it? No, not at all. I mean, a, a question here, it's probably not the biggest question. It doesn't seem to be the biggest question for players which kind of then informs how we should view this. But, I mean, a question in all of this is a massive tournament that's coming up. The World Cup is in a few months from now, and, you know, maybe things get smoothed over. It feels like dominoes are starting to fall. A couple of them have already fallen, and we're probably a week or two too early for all of them to have fallen and maybe for there to be some restoration here. But, I mean, this is a question of how France are going to then be at the World Cup, who's going to be there, how they're going to play. They have disappointed at other tournaments in the past. This time, it very much could be different depending on who is even in the squad in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, Ryan, the soccer side of this is in question too. Certainly not the most important part, right? You see players coming out and talking about how, you know, this is for, for more systemic change that needs to happen. This is trying to draw attention to all of the 
mismanagement and misbehavior and you know uh, other things that we probably still don't know about yet that have been involved in the FFF. I uh, I want to read, Graham, you referenced this. I want to read, Ryan, this statement before I turn it back to you. Uh, from, from Wendy Renard, it's translated from, from French to English, so I guess that's uh, a note here. But I want to read the whole thing. It's not very long. I defended the red, white, and blue jersey with passion, respect, commitment, and professionalism 142 times. I love France more than anything. I am not perfect, far from it, but I can no longer endorse the current system, which is far from what is required at the highest level. That's what Graham read earlier. It is a sad day, but it is necessary for the sake of my mental health. It is with a heavy heart that I inform you all via this message of my decision to step back from the French national team. Unfortunately, I will not participate in this World Cup under such conditions. My face may hide the pain, but my heart suffers, and I no longer want to suffer. Thank you for your support and respecting my decision. I mean, that is like, that's something that you're pouring your heart into, right? That's not just a, oh, I'll type this up in a notes app and, and you know, shoot it out over Instagram. Like, this is... This is serious stuff, and you can see it's not something that Renard and, and others took lightly, this idea of, you know, we're willing to miss this World Cup, a tournament that you only get to play in so many times during your professional career. Like, this is something that they feel is worth it because of how they've been treated for years now by the FFF. This is, yeah, this is a really big deal. And Graham, I hope uh, this is taken in the right way, but the French like to strike, and they're very good at it, and they're very well unionized mm-hmm. in many of the things they do. Um, and it happens quite often in France. So do we interpret this as a form of strike and a form of forcing change at the higher level, quite rightly so, it seems, in order to put the players having the power uh, to put the team back on the right track? Well, in the case of uh, Mary Antoinette Cototo, in her statement, she says that if things change, if this brings about change, she will be back playing for France. So in a, in a sense, I guess that is, by definition, a, a, a strike, I guess. I think uh, Renard's, and Renard is very much the leader of, of, of this team. As I say, she's the captain. She's been the captain for, for, for a long time. Uh, back in 2017, she was actually stripped of the captaincy by uh, Diacre yeah. for not playing at a high enough level. Um, that season, Wendy Renard won the league title in France, won the Champions League, and was named in the World Eleven that season. So I'm not entirely sure how much higher a level she could have gone to. But as I say, she is the leader of of, of this group. Um, so I think the symbolism in her stepping aside is, is uh, unavoidable. And yeah, this has been designed to force change. And the fact that Noel Legrette has, it's kind of related to this because obviously, as you mentioned, Ryan, there was an investigation by the sports ministry in, in, in France, like a government ministry that dropped, I believe, at kind of the same time as Wendy Renard stepping aside. Maybe Renard knew that was going to happen. And, it, and so she, she announced the two things. Friday. Uh, he resigned Tuesday, but it was like a planned resignation, as I understand. Right it. there we go. Yeah, so that would be the clever play from Bernard would be to 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 release that statement to to maximise the the impact, and it has had an impact. You know, Noel Legrette is is gone. Karine Diacre, there's been various reporting that she will be gone as as well. The problem is that hmm. Noel Legrette uh, was the the federation head, and so who who sacks Diacre at this point? I believe it's been handed to some sort of delegation, some yeah. sort of committee with uh, Jean-Michel uh, Aulas, who is the, the Lyon president and is a big figure in the women's game in, in France, obviously Lyon being the, the dominant side in, in, in European soccer there. Um, so maybe that's going to bring about a change. I have seen some names linked with the, the, with that job, which I think most people would agree would be an improvement on Karine 
Diacre. So there is there is a chance that by the time the World Cup comes around this summer, that France are in a much better place. And some of some of these players that have been not just with this team right now, but over the years have been exiled either through complaints and issues with the Federation or their relationship with Diacra might come back into the fold. So the, the Euros last year, you had uh, Eugenie Le Sommer, who is France's all-time top scorer, not being included in the squad. You had uh, Amandine Henri, who is another world-class player. She wasn't included in, in the squad because the relationship with Diacra was so bad. And that was a big talking point ahead of the Euros last summer. And actually, France at the Euros last summer were better than most people expected. There seemed to be a momentary truce for the month where they where they were able to put things aside. France made the semi-finals. They were edged out by Germany, um, who were obviously a very good team in that tournament. So it was better than expected for France last summer, but it really does feel like there was a tournament last month, the, the Tournoi de France, which France actually won, but similar to, you know, She Believes and the Arnold Clark Cup, Cup Arnold Clark Cup that England played in, France played in that tournament, it feels like some stuff might have happened there that really was the, you know, the final straw. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the Euros like went better than expected despite everything that happened, but still for that France team to only make the semifinals, I think was sort of seen as a failure compounded by I think a lot of the player complaints about how they went about preparing for that tournament and then the strategy within the tournament. Uh, from what I read, this most recent competition they were in, there was, I think, a slight improval, improvement overall, but not enough, I think, for Renard to feel like there was actual meaningful change happening. Uh, and the athletic piece that I referenced earlier by Charlotte Harper is excellent uh, for getting a lot of background on this one. But she pointed out that you can see in the celebrations of winning that, that Wendy Renard sort of hoists it, and it's a very... It's not a, yay, we've just won silverware. It's sort of like, this might be the last time I'm wearing a French kit and winning silverware. And that is sad, so I'm happy, but I'm sad. And I think it shows you sort of that this has been in the works, that the decision had sort of already been made. And I think there are uh, a variety of factors, as we've talked about, for why that might have occurred. There are indeed. Uh, Let's dig into this a little more after the break, back shortly. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. 
And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Uh, Total Soccer Show, welcome back to the big thing. We are talking about the French women's national team. Taylor, I said before the break, I mentioned the mm-hmm. French propensity to strike, which I didn't mean as an insult. I mean, they are highly unionized, particularly in public yeah. services. And culturally, it's like something that the French do and they do it darn well. So I suppose my point I was making was that this is effectively a player version of that in some small way. I would say that Renard and the surrounding uh, resignations or uh, like what, what's it called? No longer available for selection announcements w- would indicate what you're talking about, Ryan, because as Graham already talked about before this, there are multiple like name players who have been dropped or not uh, in contention anymore for the French national team. We're getting to the point where we could almost assemble a starting 11 that would probably like go to the World Cup final from players that have been uh, cast out or removed themselves from consideration. It starts with uh, Gaetan Tine. She publicly criticized Diakra's lack of leadership. Sarah Buhadi, the very skilled goalkeeper, uh, now I believe in NWSL, openly said after she had stepped away for personal reasons, quote unquote, I think a year later in a public interview said that there was no way that France would win anything with Diakra in charge. Uh, Eugenie uh, uh, Les Sommer, Graham talked about her. She was publicly scapegoated by Diakra on national television. Amandine Henri, the same, publicly criticized, stripped of the captaincy. I can't remember if it was when she was stripped of the captaincy or Renard that Diakra said, like, it seems to weigh too heavily on you that you're only playing at 30% of your capacity because it seems like the other 70% is taken up by the armband. Uh, just sort of some passive-aggressive slights in there. But all of those players sort of, re- like, stepping away citing personal reasons, but not really making it clear or just not being called up and sort of being publicly criticized by Diacre. And so Renard's statement feels to me like getting out in front, like we've just won silverware. I was the captain. Things should be great. And I am the one who's saying, nope, I am done with this. Having two very high profile teammates follow suit uh, in Katoto and Gianni, I think, elevates that and then on top of that you had two more uh leon's uh, Perel moroni uh, again my french is terrible she was last called up by the team in 2021 so maybe that is less impactful but uh grisian bach who is all when Rene renard's longtime center back partner uh, uh for the french national team she's recovering from injury but she has announced the same so you're you're seeing now basically what's that five Relatively big players, uh, and then Wendy Bernard, a bona fide legend, as Charlotte Harper called her, uh, all sort of at the same time announcing this. That does feel like much more organized, proactive, getting out in front, uh, controlling the narrative sort of action. That does make me think it is more of a yeah. a an organized effort this time around. At- and the other thing about the timing, obviously from a, a sporting competitive point of view, it being this close to the World Cup isn't ideal, but uh, to say the least. But I uh, I have to wonder if there's some form of kind of um, I, I guess PTSD to to use that term maybe not the right in the right context there. But the last World Cup 2019, obviously hosted by by France, um, I found loads of reporting from the time where basically 
players were bullied. Players were were crying in the dressing room after yeah. matches. It just felt like a very unhealthy environment. So I can imagine that getting to this point where the world preparations are starting to ramp up, the World Cup's just around the corner, and that team basically going, nothing has changed since the last World Cup. We need to do something about it now. Yeah. So that's that maybe explains the timing a little bit, I think. Well, and the other part of this here is it's it's stupid and awful and unfortunate that you have to time things out this way and that you have to go through this entire process if you're France or if you're any number of the the women's national team around the world or or people in the women's soccer space, players especially, that are having to deal with this. But also the fact that we are so close to a World Cup, right? The fact that we are in that news cycle where this is being discussed regularly by major outlets, by you know TV news, all that stuff. We're starting to get more and more into the thick of that cycle. And so if you're trying to time it strategically, which is a real factor here, you know, this is another solid reason to try to time it out so that it falls now. One other one other thing, Graham, you just mentioned, I read the same thing about, you know, uh, Henri saying basically at the at the World Cup, she sees girls crying in their room. I think this is a quote. Uh, I cried in my room. It was total chaos. You've got that, which is basically my interpretation, at least, is that that's because Diacra is is not a person that anyone enjoys playing for, for the most part. Another detail about Diacra, who we've talked about, you know, a decent amount, but this one, this one really got me. Uh, basically, what I read was that Diacra would call players for 15 seconds. Essentially, mm-hmm. they, they she'd call, she'd say, "You're not in the World Cup squad." They would have an incredibly short 10, 15 second conversation, and then it's over. It's done. That's yeah. all the explanation you're getting, which is not how you want. I mean, I think every approach to management. There are obviously dozens and dozens out there of ways to do that, ways to motivate people, whatever. I think virtually every respected form of management would say that's not a good idea to try to interact with players in your pool, to interact with, it's not, they're not your employees necessarily, but in a lot of ways, they, they kind of are. So between that, that attitude, and if we're digging into like actual problems with the FFF, another part that, that gets me of all this, this isn't specifically Diakra, but the FFF announced in a, in a statement, basically after Renard, after some of this started coming out over you know the last few days, week, whatever it is, uh, in response to the player's statements, they uh, they basically said, yeah, we're going to address this in a meeting. And then the quote was, the FFF would like to remind that no individual is above l'équipe yeah. de France institution. They're like, yeah, all right, you're not bigger than the team. We're going to essentially not comment on this. So just all of the all of the attitudes here from different people inside the federation, whether that's manager or president or other folks, I mean, I'm not saying that everyone involved is is actively trying to mismanage, but... There is a, a massive systemic issue yeah. in how people are approaching dealing with other people at a basic human level. They might and, not be uh, actively doing it, but they're certainly doing a great job of it inadvertently. I'll say that. Yeah. And and with regards to the investigation as well, the reaction from the Federation has been dismal, where basically they, they've dis- they've dismissed it. They've dismissed the finding. They've, they've called it biased. They've said that it's not used objective facts. Yeah. And you would think maybe having you know i was going to say half of your team re- retire it's, it's probably more than half the team at this stage it's probably about three quarters of the team at this stage step aside call out the manager call out the federation you then have a government report into the federation that forces the the, the federation head to resign and then highlight systemic uh, issues with that federation you th- you would think that might prompt some reflection from the decision makers at the top of french football but that doesn't seem to be the case at all and i think that's one of the most depressing things about this it, it feels it feels very much bureaucracy like this this is where i feel like bureaucracy uh, not always the worst thing, but in this case, very much a problem. And I and I think of it from a 
like uh, an office perspective, if Diacra were the middle manager who is dysfunctional and doesn't assign projects in any way that makes sense and doesn't provide any oversight, and so you go to her manager or to the boss, and that boss says, like, nah, she's doing great. I know what you're talking about. Stop complaining. But also, what are you wearing? Like, that is is sort of, it seems to be, what uh, the vibe is with the French Football Federation. Because I want to... I wanna, go down for a moment into the report, like the way it's been summarized even. Uh, the language that I think is oft repeated in the reporting I saw uh, is that Legrit failed to hold the necessary legitimacy to manage and represent French football, highlighted the inappropriate behavior of Mr. Legrit towards women, and then you t- it talks about bullying and intimidation. Uh, digging a little bit deeper, it, it seems to have begun with, uh, and again, apologies for the, for the pronunciation, with sports agent uh, Sonia Sui. Uh, she brought about the initial charges of unwanted sexual advances, and that precipitated his downfall. Uh, she accused Legrette of making unwanted advances in an interview with Lequeep and also in a radio interview. Uh, and it, it, it reads like Harvey Weinstein, uh, amongst other things. She said, he very clearly said to me in his apartment that if I wanted him to help me, I had to let him have his way with me. And that, and that was basically it, that if you want influence, if you want any sort of uh, access to French decision makers and the way things operate, then, you know, he, he is going to abuse that power. And it doesn't sound like she was the only one. Uh, it's been reported very carefully, I think, because of libel laws. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's worth mentioning here because it gets sort of when it gets discussed as, oh, it's bullying. Oh, he did some things that weren't great. It's worth kind of clearly spelling out what it is that he is at least accused by Sui of doing. Because it speaks to that's the person who you're going to if you are a women's national team player to complain about issues. Maybe they're personal. Maybe they're tactical. Maybe it's just a vision of the program. But like right there, that tells you he is not like having their best best interests in mind. And I think to the way that the Federation has responded, to me, again, it reads like bureaucracy not fully want, knowing what to do in this moment because – yeah, Renard, I think, went out of her way to say it's not just about Diacre, it's many other things. Uh, but when you look at the women's side of French football, I believe there are three like f- full-time employees with the women's national team, and it's Diacre and then her two assistants. Uh, and so you are basically saying it's her, maybe the assistants, and then the Federation decision-makers above them. The Federation released that statement, to my mind, basically saying no player is more powerful than us. You know, you, We'll make the decisions. You don't have any say here. But also, we don't want to be the ones to bend to the will of the players. So we're going to like uh, bring together this panel who will make the, the decision, and then they will recommend it to the interim president of the French Football Federation on March 9th, and then a decision will be made. It just feels like a lot of diluting the message and passing the buck so that things aren't uh, like seen to be as bad as I personally feel they are. So bureaucracy is... <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. Bureaucracy is pretty common at the you know at these kind of governing mm-hmm. bodies around the world, not in just in sports, but in business and in, in, in government as well. I suppose the big question, Taylor, is does does a situation like this actually change it? Does the bureaucracy change based on what's happened here? Do, do, do the, does, does, does the French team move on in a positive way from this? It's a great question. Uh, so the interim president is Philippe Giallo. I know nothing about him, uh, nor did I do that much reading about him. So it seems as though 
uh, we've, Legrette has stepped down again. We'll still be working with FIFA. Should note that he was offered that position, I think, in January of 2022. So it's not like he stepped down and then FIFA were like, we got to have this guy come in. And there have been calls. Uh, the, the reason why Sui, I think, became more of a public figure is because she is now pressuring Infantino to remove that job offer and not let Legrette take up that role with FIFA. Uh, but it, it seems like we will get new people in charge. We will get this panel that will make the recommendation on Diacre's future. Should be noted that Aulas, Graham talked about him, uh, pretty public in his criticism of Diacre. So too are several of the other people on this panel. So it does seem like they've basically assembled a panel while publicly saying, we won't bend to your pressure. Like the players are not greater than the Federation, but we're going to assemble this panel that will do exactly that. But then we can pass the buck and say, these individual owners of these individual clubs made these decisions. My hope would be that we see uh, players in this team come back into the team and that we see players elevated, certain players elevated to positions of, if not authority, then at least more influence because by all accounts, Renar has conducted herself with complete professionalism in her entire career, and I feel like she would be a great person to to have involved in some of the decision-making and to have more insight and oversight and just sort of transparency in the way things operate, because I think that's been a long criticism mm-hmm. of the Federation and of Diacra specifically. I know there are a lot of people pushing uh, Aulas forward as someone who, not just on the women's side, but on the on the men's side as well, could be a, a, a good leader for, for French soccer in general, which is it's kind of wild to me because I remember yeah. when Lyon were the predominant force in French football and Lyon at that time were kind of like a mini PSG in France and Aulas was a very unpopular figure and he he's he's very brash. I think he's still very brash to this day. But since then, on the men's side, you know, Lyon have have become the best kind of youth academy in France. So there's there's good reason um, to bring him into the federation there. And then on the women's side, I think he's become a real champion for for women's soccer. I apologize if there's anything that I've missed there. But as far as I can see, obviously Lyon are very. They get a lot of funding. They have the biggest budget, I believe, of any team in in, in European uh, women's soccer. So there is a there is a little bit of momentum behind him getting more involved. Obviously, he's already on that delegation, that committee that that we mentioned that will make a recommendation to the interim uh, president. So I do wonder if maybe he is someone um, that could kind of fill that void, hopefully in a in a in a positive way. Wasn't he also the one who is like mildly to? to just outright creepily like DMing and tweeting at Alex Morgan when he was trying to get her to play with Leon or when she had played with Leon. Like, I think he has his own sort of possibly. Like, I like, did not know that story. Before. Uh, well, so like, I might we just wind back my endorsement a little no, bit. Uh, I mean, as I say, it seems to, it seems to be like, I don't, from what I've seen, at least from the tweets I'm scrolling through and reading them, they're not like outright harassing. They're not being like so beautiful or anything particularly creepy like that. But I think it's just tagging her unnecessarily. And maybe that's more of a, a joke thing. But I think you're right, Graham, that there were sort of those frustrations with him in the past. And I think it's just sort of maybe it, it spells out how looking for like one person to be the solution might not be the solution because Fair. people are people. Yeah. Uh, Joe, jumping back to Diakra for a second, if you look at the journalist research tool Wikipedia, um, the controversy section of her mm. page is by far the biggest section by quite a long way. Um, so obviously she's a big part of this um, situation as well. Is I mean, is she, the, is she the coach when this episode goes out? Is she the coach when the World Cup comes around? What do we think? Uh, I'm saying no. I don't know. By the time this episode comes out, I'm guessing she will still be in charge. 
Uh, I think a little bit later in March is when some of these decisions are, are going to be made from what I've read. But, I mean, she's been in this post for a while, since 2017. It is the, – the fact that she has been around the team for so long, where as many players as have come out and said, like, she is not someone that we enjoy playing for. You read all the different statements, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about. The fact that she's still been involved throughout all of that, I think is probably the best, maybe other than some of the the, the facts that Taylor went through or the the allegations that Taylor went through earlier about people higher up in the in the FFF. You know, I think this is one of the best examples of the chaos and of the mismanagement and of the abuse that's been going on inside of this federation. And then you stack on like the soccer side of it as well, which again is is not the most important part. But it just shows how corrupt this is where, you know, the U.S. can go to the World Cup. And I know I'm sort of making a, a cross, uh, you know, comparison here. But like the U.S. can go to the World Cup uh, on the men's side and not succeed. And people are, are calling for Greg Berhalter to be fired, right? You can go to, and that's even setting aside all the other stuff that came out afterwards, which is much more complex than we've talked about on this show. But you can be uh, a manager for France, a country with more history in this sport, with a women's team that has not been quite as dominant as the U.S., but it's still been exceptionally good for a long time, and you can fail, right? I sort of poke fun. I think that maybe how we evaluate international soccer is a little bit silly because the sample size is so small, and winning tournaments is really, really hard. There's probably six teams, four teams that could come into any tournament and win it, and if you don't win it, you're going to be labeled a failure even if you played well. I think all that is a little bit silly, but that is the reality. Like, that's how this game works. That's how people talk about it. That's how decision makers think about it. The fact that Diakra has not won a World Cup, that the fact that the last Euros were disappointing for France and they they lose in the semifinals to Germany, and she's brought back, Taylor, like you mentioned earlier, seemingly, according to reports, without any sort of um, uh, of cons- consultation outside of the, the single decision maker in Noel Lagrat. Like, that's, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. So you can look at the sporting side and how different this situation has been from, you know, what I would say is most of the general thoughts about how the rigors of international soccer and the, the expectations and the standards tend to go. Like, this doesn't fit in that category. It doesn't make sense on the personal level. All of it just screams like bad decisions have been made by so many different people. That's the only way you get to a point like this. Yes, indeed. Let's take another quick break. When we come back... Um... We'll talk a little bit more about the protests that have happened in other federations with other teams as well, and ultimately how this is going to affect France. Back shortly. Today's episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Indochino. MLS is back, which means MLS fits are back. We got to see FC Dallas's cowboy hat move from player to player, and Iramendi rocked that thing after their win recently over the San Jose Earthquakes. We're getting to see pregame fits. Another FC Dallas player and Kosi Tafare never disappoints. Will Trap over in Minnesota has surprisingly good pregame fits for the Loons. Athletes love to have the right fit, and so do we. We love wearing our sports gear, but you can't wear a jersey all the time. Indochino makes fully customized suits that don't require a trip to the tailor to get that perfect fit. Indochino has high-quality suits that are designed to fit you. They are made to your exact measurements and customizations, endless customization options at that. This is custom clothing, folks, at a surprisingly affordable price. We're talking quality wools, linen, and cotton in different colors and patterns. Indochino.com is your one-stop shop for all of this stuff. The ordering process is easy. The site is super simple, clean, and easy to use to find suits, shirts, pants, blazers, outerwear, 
all of that good stuff over at Indochino.com. If you want to level up your game with Indochino, go to Indochino.com and use code ATHLETIC to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com with code ATHLETIC. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com with code ATHLETIC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to the big thing. We were chatting, Taylor, before the break there about Green Diacra, the dragon, as we have learned uh, her her name. (laughs) It seems like um, her career prospects aren't terrific. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair to say. Although you never know, maybe she'll get another contract extension once the panel uh, does their independent audit. Uh, but I hope that's not the case because uh, I I really came away from this having a lot of sympathy for the French national team. Uh, starting with the thing that Joe said about the 14 to 15 second calls. Amandine Henri, the aforementioned, talked about that. But that's when she was told not only was she being stripped of the captaincy, but she wasn't being caught up for World Cup qualifiers uh, and then has not been caught up since. And it sounds like the conversation was, you know you haven't been good i'm not calling you up and then that and she said like okay and then hung up the phone like that was the extent of of the national team coach telling i would say one of one of the most famous players on that team one of their most high profile players like nah you're done it's it's to go like with an equivalent it's kind of Jurgen Klinsmann dropping Landon Donovan but this time for even like worse reasons uh and less public reasons at that um and and it sounds like that is sort of on brand for Diakra that when she drops you from the team she is content to have that curt of a conversation to not provide much insight to not provide much instruction because you're done like th- she's not calling you back that's a repeated pattern of once you're not called up and it's made public you're not called up again by all accounts, she's better with young players coming in, and she's more inclined to give them more instruction about what they need to do to kind of raise their game or compete. But with players who've been there, it sounds like the the welcome mat or welcome wagon gets worn out pretty quickly, and then she is much more, don't ask questions, do as I say. And that is, again, a thing that uh, seems pretty clear from uh, the players who would talk and then from some of the unnamed, unnamed sources. It's very much, do as I say, don't ask questions, don't ask me why we're not doing video sessions for this opponent. It doesn't concern you. I have my reasons. Don't ask why we haven't done any set piece training. I have my reasons. Uh, from that same athletic piece, 
Uh, here's, here's a quote that kind of lays it out. Training sessions lack intensity and tactical emphasis. Sources close to the players told The Athletic. And video sessions do not always occur. Even if they do, time spent on them is minimal. Players have been told they do not have time to practice at pieces after training because the bus is waiting and some, but not all, have said too much of their warm-up is spent running without the ball. So it just sounds, it honestly sounds like old school soccer that I experienced like like as a youth in the 90s where it's everybody's got to be fit. You got to run a whole bunch. Don't worry about the ball so much. Everybody's got to be fit and work really hard and do what the coach says. Yeah. The coach has like the best everything in mind. Don't ask questions. Just do as you're told uh, and we'll win. And when they don't win, uh, it's the player's fault and not the coaches who didn't prepare them at all. And this is not an important detail at all, but Taylor, you mentioned set pieces there. I think the general thought process in soccer today is that coaches are the ones trying to motivate players to like get excited about doing set pieces because yeah. it's boring, right? You stand around, you just want to play. Like we all, when we play mm-hmm. soccer, we just want to play, like get out there and, and play. But I mean, set pieces are important and usually it's the coaches and the members of the staff that are trying to get them to, to be energized and to get the routines down. And the fact that this is completely flip-flopped where the players are recognizing like this is something that's missing in our game. And Diakra and, and maybe her staff are, are all saying, like, nah, mm-hmm. no, nah, we're done. Like, it's time to go home. We don't want to do this. And that, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Um, Graham, it's important to note that the French national players aren't the only ones who are having a protest moment of sorts. Uh, uh, Spain and Canada having what we'll call yep. personnel issues with walkouts and strikes at the moment. The USWNT have a history of that as well. It's not exclusively a French issue here, is it? Yeah, so this continues a growing movement of women's players in international soccer pushing back against their own federation. So Taylor, you had the the Big Thing episode with Steph Yang a, a couple of weeks ago on the situation in Canadian soccer where the national team is protesting against Canada soccer for a, a, a very bad business deal that they have made and how that has affected Unreal. them and the fact that they haven't been paid for matches they played last year which is just obviously completely unacceptable and um, you obviously had the whole case with u.s soccer and then the the subsequent um equal pay agreement with the u.s women's national team last year the jorge vilda situation continues to rumble on for for spain where 15 players are refusing to play for the national team as long as he's in charge and and ryan you asked uh Joe before the break you know is, is, is this going to force change and Joe said yes he, he, he thinks so you know Diakra is not going to be in charge for the World Cup and I would agree with you Joe but the Jorge Vilda situation just makes me think about that again because how has that situation been allowed to continue for this long it was in September that those 15 players said that they weren't going to play for Spain some of the highest profile Spanish players and again Spain are in a similar sort of position where they are a superpower of of, of the women's game you know Barcelona obviously one of the strongest teams in, in Europe Real Madrid are getting stronger all the time they have the best player in the world in Pateas and their national team is completely hindered by the situation with the federation and, and and the national team coach, and the federation just continues to dig their dig dig their heels in. Um, so yeah, this is a growing movement. Yeah. I just wish national federations would just stop this, please. Yeah. Uh, you can't get away with this stuff anymore. The women's game has has found its voice clearly. And I, I guarantee that these people, like the French Federation, like the Spanish Federation, they're going to be on the wrong side of history. They're not yeah. going to win this battle. How do they think this is going to pan out? Who is winning out of this whole situation? Because they aren't, the players aren't, 
And the fans certainly aren't. So, you know, even in the last two years, it, it, it feels like the women's game has come a long way. The Euros last summer were a watershed moment, at least in Europe. The Women's Champions League is growing season on season. I know the NWSL has has clearly faced, you know, really terrible things in the last 12 months, but you have the equal pay agreement with US soccer. So things are progressing. Uh, the, the, this coming World Cup is expected to be well attended. I expect the, the viewership will be good and strong again. But then you have stuff like this that mm -hmm. just kind of reminds you how much further there is to go. And it just sort of sobers you up a little bit. Maybe this is obvious, but I, I think it, like I was only able to connect the dots from this story. It feels to me like so many federations, maybe all federations, have for a good long while treated the women's game as like, you're welcome, we're funding this. And it seems to be a, look, we're throwing you some money, uh, like you should be happy with that, that should be enough. Uh, and, it, and it feels like almost sort of like separate but equal of like, yeah, we give all the money to the men's team, but they're the ones who make money. Don't worry about it. Here's your like like 1% of the budget. Uh, do with it what you will. Oh, we've hired this coach who was like the one who would take the job. That happens a lot of times with smaller national teams. And I think we are moving into an era of like as well we should be that that's not good enough. That, that just being like like you're welcome that we even thought about this is is not going to be the standard anymore and i think what we're seeing is federations be very slow to accept that reality and instead oftentimes seem to have more of a like uh, how dare you like response to these things and and it does feel like like the to your point Graham like like why be on the wrong side of history like the the drum of history will continue on and i, I think we'll see more of these types of uh, actions and and player sort of or organizations or organized movements and i hope we do because i think it, it requires the spotlight and it requires i think that vocal response to sort of force federations to make changes that are needed i'm a i'm a firm believer that we don't always need to have like a well you know things are going to be great here in just a couple of weeks when all this stuff mm -hmm. gets tied together i mean this this is not how the world works right it's going to take time and years and pain as we're already seeing and people going out and standing out on a limb that puts them in a tough spot. I mean, it's going to take all of those things to see real meaningful progress. I will say, not attempting to put a nice shiny bow on top of all of this, but one thing that Do does it, encourage me about Shine all this is I had a conversation recently uh, uh, with, with somebody, basically with the idea being you know, people, that, people that have <laughs> think, skeletons in their closet are now getting scared to come into women's sports. They're getting scared to come into the sports scene because of what's happening, right? Because of, specifically thinking of the NWSL, because of all the absolutely disgusting things that have come out about what's gone on across that league in, in a lot of different situations at the league level, all that stuff, people that uh, probably would have gone for it before with uh, maybe the intent of doing things that are equally bad and awful are now realizing, like, I should... I should not do that. Maybe that's not to say that they're like that they've changed their ways or that they have realized like, oh, what I'm doing is wrong. But there does seem to be this idea that entering into the women's sports scene, if you're planning on doing things that are bad, is something that you should probably think twice about, which is like these that's like the lowest bar you could possibly imagine. Right. Again, not trying to not trying to tie a shiny bow here, but that is legitimate progress in mind of in my mind of where we've been before to the point where now people that are are actively doing things that are wrong or have sort of these skeletons in their closet are thinking like, nah, we'll sit this one out. It's it's weird and sad that that has to be the, the bar that we're trying to reach. But 
I do think we are getting closer to that, which does make me at least a little bit encouraged. Yeah, that's a that's a difficult silver lining, I suppose. But yeah, it is. It is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Definitely yeah. so. Uh, final question for this one, gents. Um, if the necessary change happens with this French team, do we presume they'll be among the favourites at this coming World Cup? Is that even the biggest issue at hand here? I suppose is a question, Graham. It's. Uh, it's 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 a it's um an unwelcome situation this close to a tournament. Will it mm. be a decisive factor? I suppose is the question. Well, you're right. It's not it's not the biggest factor at this point. Um, I don't think Wendy Renard and and those other players. I mean, the work they'll have the World Cup in their mind, but it's not the the primary motivating factor at at, at this point. Looking at the sporting side, though, there's no question in my mind that a, man- a managerial change, a-, a change in the federation would improve France's chances, if only for the reason that they get a whole load of players back into that team, yep. but also some of the-, the the managers that have been linked with that job. So the good thing for France is that they have, a- they- it seems to-, to be the case, they've got a lot of choice. And unlike the men's game, the, the national teams in the in the women's game, um, certainly for a, a team as good as France, they kind of they kind of have the 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 pick of the best coaches in in the club game. So uh, Sonia Bonpastor, who is the the Lyon head coach, is apparently on a, on a short list. Uh, Gerard Prouchier, uh, who is the PSG manager, he's also been mentioned as 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 well. Um, I don't really have the tactical knowledge base to know which of these two managers would be the best fit. But there's such an overlap between Lyon and PSG in the France squad that I guess it would be logical to have a manager who knows those players well, in particular Lyon, you know, Bonpasteur, so successful with that Lyon team and taking them to Champions League titles and French League titles. And I found loads of players speaking positively uh, about her. And so maybe she would be a good dressing room influence to have. And and you could have, a, a it could be the situation, you could have a scenario where Yes, maybe France haven't had the time to gel together as a team. They haven't had the time on the pitch to work on some tactical stuff. But just the galvanizing factor of not having Karine Diacre in that dressing yep. room might kind of push them on to greater things than even the, the talent of that team would suggest they're capable of. So I wouldn't rule out France at, at, at this point of making a real impact at that World Cup, but it is going to take, in my opinion, some serious, serious change. This, this yeah. can't continue any longer. Here is my shiny bow proposal. If the U.S. women's national team isn't going to win the World Cup, the narrative that I can next most get behind, and maybe even get behind more, would be Diacra sacked, or like the recommendation is that Diacra is sacked, the interim president uh, acts upon that, uh, appoints a manager who has positive connections to the players, or at least some of the players. You get some of those big names back if they want to return. You get a unified French team that is able to play the way they should be playing given the talent they have and given maybe better preparation and then they they win and the story is of like this this French team that sort of ousted the manager ousted the president of the federation even though they're not fully responsible for that one but sort of made the change happen won the the title anyway and then from there Wendy Renard is elected uh world president and all is right with the world that is uh the narrative that I'm choosing to get behind now there we go. And that feels like a wonderful narrative to wrap up this big thing, Data. A very complex story, this one. A moving story as well. We hope um, it heads towards a positive resolution. But for now, Taylor Rockwell, thank you very much as always, sir. Thank you, and remember to vo- vote for Wendy Renard, Secretary General of the UN. 
<laughs> uh, we'll remember to do that when I Thank you. give that cast that vote, which I definitely yep. have. Uh, Graham mm-hmm. Rudman, merci beaucoup. Ah, merci beaucoup, Ryan Bailey. Oh, look at us, so continental. Joe Lowry, thank you very much, sir. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Ryan. And listener, thank you again for joining us on this one. We'll have another big thing on the feed next Friday. We'll be back soon, but for now... Bye! Bye!